Okay, we're up to number two. Shimon HaTzadik Haya Mishyarech Nesses HaGdola. Shimon HaTzadik, he was the literally remnant, he was the leftover of the Knesses HaGdola, the men of the Great Assembly. We spoke about them last week. Hu Haya Oimer. And he used to say, Al Shloisha Dvarim HaOlam Omeid. On three things the world stands. Al HaTorah, on Torah, the Al HaAvoda, and on Avoda. Specifically here, Avoda is talking about the Beis HaMikdash, the sacrifices, the carbonos that were brought in the Beis HaMikdash. Vial Gemilus Chasodim, and on acts of kindness, acts of chesed and kindness. So just like last time, I mentioned that whenever we learn Torah, specifically any text, you want to identify, analyze, and understand each word before we start to understand what exactly is being said. So the first thing I just want to mention is, Shimon HaTzadik was the remnant the Mishyare, the leftover of the Anshe Knesset HaGdola. That's a very weird way to speak about it, this remnant. Why not just say Shemir HaTzadik was from the Anshe Knesset HaGdola? Or, Are you recording? I am. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Other than your husband, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got an honorable mention, at least. I'm impressed. So why does it speak about Shimon HaTzadik as the remnant of the Anshe Knesset Gdola, Mishyare? Why not just say he was from the Anshe Knesset Gdola? Why not say he was the last of the Anshe Knesset Gdola? Well, he was one of the <clears throat> members. Come in. Can I make this next door? Huh? Is it? Well, it's the door. Yeah, just leave it a crack. So this idea of <clears throat> remnant, leftover, means that of all the things that the men of the Great Assembly stood for, Shimon HaTzadik is holding on to that last remnant. That if you're going to hold on to anything, just like we said before in the last Mishnah, that when it says the men of the Great Assembly said three things, obviously they said a lot more than three things. They said a plethora of things. But the idea was that these three things... These three things are the embodiment of everything that they stood for. And Shimon HaTzadik is coming along and saying that if you want to understand the embodiment, at least hold on to this. In other words, I'm about to summarize what they were talking about with just a, with just a, a, a smidgen of an idea here. And that will help us understand what it is he's about to say. Because he used to say, the world stands on three things. Torah, Avoda, Gemilas, Chasadim. Before we understand those three things, let's just think about what does it mean that the world stands on anything? Mm-hmm. What is the concept to stand on something? And I'd like to juxtapose this, if you can, for a moment. <clears throat> if you turn and you want to look at the next page, two pages, turn two pages. And look at number 18. 
Rebbe Shimon Gamliel says the world endures on three things. Now, we don't need to go through those three things, but they are different. I can tell you that much. They are three different things. So whatever we say that Shimon Tzaddik is speaking about, it must be something different than what Rebbe Shimon Gamliel is speaking about. So what do you think it means that the world stands on something? Don't think about these three things, just the concept that the world stands on something. What does that concept mean, to stand on something? Survive because of. Well, survive because of. So then, how would that be different than what Rabbi Shimon Gamliel spoke about? The Hebrew that Rabbi Shimon Gamliel used is kayam. Right. So to stand means. To stand. stand if you don't have these things, then the world would fall apart. If you don't have these things, then the world would fall apart. Well, then, if what's kayam? If you don't have these three things, the world will wouldn't exist. Wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the same as fall apart? No. No? What's no, the difference? Because falling apart um, doesn't. You could still exist, but you could just be falling apart. Meaning, like, if you're not doing well, um, if you wanted to survive <clears throat> or to stand, to stand means you're firm. Like you're, you have, you have something to stand on. So it gives you strength. But if you don't have something to stand on, you're, you're living an existence of weakness. You're not really, you don't have anything to hold you. And sustenance, kayam, kayam means to sustain. Um, that's already like a life a, or a death. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit stronger, I feel like. That it's a bit stronger. I would think kayam is a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't exist, you're not able to, um, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe I'm going yeah, a little no, I, myself. I like that. There are definitely distinctions. Right. I'm wondering if the distinctions you're making go in the way that, that, that you're laying them out. Those are definitely distinctions. Let's go a little bit yes. more literal. Can I just ask a quick question? Of course. Um, the thing about the remnant, yeah. was, what does that mean? Was, was that because um, like there weren't that many that were left over of them? The Anshay Knesset Gdola, the Sanhedrin, fell, fell apart. We lost the Sanhedrin. We lost the Anshay Knesset so he, he, he was the last of that group. And why was he And then it like transfers him? into right. the Nasi and the Av Bastin. They were going to get a Nasi, uh, no longer have a, a Sanhedrin where you have a group, you're going to have an individual. Um, and why was he called Hatzadik? Was there something unique about him? Um, yeah, there definitely was. Um, you, I'd like to hold off on discussing sure. that, because that would, that would require a whole... We can, if you'd like, maybe next week, instead of sure. going forward to number three, we'll talk about Shimon Tzaddik and why was he called Tzaddik as opposed to anyone else. Why was, you know, different Rebbeim were given accolades right. throughout uh, our history, not all of them. So, for example, Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi. Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi, well, there were many Nasis. Why was he called the Nasi? He was also called, <clears throat> he was also referred to as Rebbe HaKadosh, Rebbe the Holy One. Why is he holy? That means others are not holy. So I, I, that's a whole separate discussion. So maybe we'll save that for another time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go a little bit more <clears throat> foundational and <clears throat> a little bit more to the to the actual essence of the word. And I hope I didn't just give things away. Um, <clears throat> the Hebrew here is al shloshet dvarim haolam omed. On these three things, the world is omed, stands. Well, if you just think literally. When something is standing on something, what is it standing on? Something strong. Something strong. A foundation. A foundation. By definition, 
When something is standing on something, that which it is standing on is its foundation. Now, there are many different types of foundations. There is a foundation uh, which is in the ground. There's a foundation that you put in the ground. There's a foundation, you know, a cup standing on a plate. There are many things which are the definition of foundation without getting into building and contractual ideas about cement, etc. But regardless, the concept of a foundation is that which is something that is standing on it that is supporting it. Mm-hmm. That is the definition of a foundation, something that, is, that something stands on that gives it support. Without that foundation, what would happen? It would collapse. It would fall, exactly as you said earlier. Once you have the foundation, now you can start to build a building. Mm -hmm. That foundation will not keep the building up on its own, though. It requires many other things. But at the very minimum, you cannot begin to build a building without a foundation. When it says that the world stands on three things, therefore, before you even build a world, you must have a foundation. It's the precursor to the world. In other words, it's the very purpose of the world. Before you go and build a world, you're going to have a foundation that the world is going to be built upon these three things. That's the concept of a foundation. It means what it is that the world stands for. Not just stands on, but since it comes before the world, it's what the world stands for. It's the very essence of what the world was created for. Now, before we look at what Shimon Atzadik said, if someone were to walk up to you on the street and say, tell me, what does Judaism says the world stands for? What's the purpose of creation? Why are we here? Tikkun olam. Tikkun olam. Probably get a plethora of answers. Mm-hmm. Someone would say tikkun olam. Someone else would say to do mitzvahs. There's a whole litany of things that people would say. However, there's a beautiful chazal that says shibim panim Torah. There are 70 faces to the Torah. And <clears throat> that there are 70 different ways of saying the same thing. They're all going to have to mean the same idea. There's a beautiful safer. If you're not familiar with it, I strongly suggest you familiarize yourself with it. I don't suggest you read it on your own. I do suggest that you have a commentary that you read with it or you learn it with someone and that's Mesilus Yesharim mm-hmm. Moshe Chaim Letzato. and in his introduction his magnum opus was the path of the just the Mesilus Yesharim he wrote many works but this was certainly one of his most widely recognized in his introduction he says the very reason that the world was created <clears throat> and he says in there that the world was created for one purpose and one purpose only Create a relationship with God? Have a relationship with Hashem. That's it. Dveikis, to have a relationship with the Almighty. To get pleasure in a relationship with Hashem. That's it. And everything else that people say, why are we created? Tikkun olam. Why are we created? To do mitzvahs. All of those are just another way of saying how to go about building a relationship with Hashem. That's it. Shimon Atzadik is not going to disagree with that. 
If anything, Shimon Tzadik came way before Rav Moshe Chaim Litzato. So if Rav Moshe Chaim Litzato is coming along and saying the world was created to build a relationship with Hashem, he must be seeing that in Shimon Tzadik as well. And therefore, when it says the world stands, the very foundation of the world, the very thing which is built upon, that the world is built upon, is building a relationship with the Almighty, Shimon Tzadik is not disagreeing with that. And when he comes along and says, he's actually saying that these are the three ways in which one builds that relationship with Hashem. So what I'd like to do is, for a moment, <clears throat> put aside Shimon Tzadik and take a look at the concept of relationships in general. Talk about relationships and then we'll come back to Shimon Tzadik. There are many ingredients in building relationships. So by no means whatsoever am I saying that what I'm about to say is an exhaustive understanding of relationships. Certainly you could go into a bookstore, into a Judaica bookstore even, and you can find volumes and volumes and volumes on relationships and how to build successful, meaningful relationships. <clears throat> that is certainly the plight of our generation. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I'd like to distinguish between the following two ideas. There are prerequisites, and then there are building blocks. When seeking out a relationship, there are a multitude of prerequisites one should have before engaging in a relationship with another person. Trust, attraction, all of these things... You can make an entire list, uh, kindness. All of these character traits are necessary to have a successful relationship. However, a lot of what people say are necessary for a relationship can be categorized as prerequisites. Often, people overlook prerequisites, and then after they get into a relationship, they start to say, well, wait, I need this in this relationship for this to work. And in order, it's too it's too late. It's, it's, you, you should have looked for that before you got into the relationship. Now that you're in the relationship, what does it take to build that relationship? And I'd like to give the following. And this is based on different ideas and sources in Judaism. If you'd like another time, we can take a look at them. But suffice it to say, there are basically three main building blocks to all relationships. So these are the prerequisites? No, no, no. These we're, are we're, like we're putting aside Shimon and Sadek. Oh, okay. Talking about relationships in general. Okay. There are basically, and we're not dealing with prerequisites. If you want prerequisites, take a look at uh, this week's part, the, the Parsha yesterday. Eliezer and Rivka. There's a whole list of prerequisites there. Once you're in a relationship, in order for that relationship to thrive and to build, there are basically three essential building blocks. And they are as follows. Investment, communication, and intimacy. (coughs) 
These are the three basic building blocks of all relationships. Are there others? Of course there are others. However, if you wanted to, we could sit here and start making a list and you will find that many of those others that people mention can be a subcategory of one of these three. Mm -hmm. The three basic ingredients though are investment, communication, and intimacy. And let's start with the first one, investment. And by the way, parenthetically, ladies, I will tell you that one of the most challenging aspects of relationships is that these three are natural to ladies. They come naturally. And all three of these do not come naturally to men. And as a matter of fact, two of the three men have an aversion to. (laughs) One of them they are more easily adept at. And as we go through, you will probably see which one's which. But let's start with the first one, investment. Before we discuss what investment is in regards to a relationship, what is an investment? What's the definition of an investment? Putting in something to gain something greater in the future. Were you a business major? No. That was perfect. Perfect. (laughs) That was the definition of an investment. Because often when I ask for a definition, shockingly, men who are business majors will tell me, because I teach a lot of college students, they'll say, oh, putting something in. When you put something into something, that's not an investment. That's a gift. (laughs) Here you go. Here's here's my money. Um, What would you like in return? Nothing. (laughs) That's a gift. Just take it. Go ahead. Open a business. Uh, Do you want to see my business strategy? No, not interested. (laughs) A business investment, like any investment, is when you put something in with the hopes of a positive gain. It's not a guarantee but it's the hopes of a positive gain. Now, what are some examples of investment? Well, the most classic example is money, but there are many other examples of investment. Time, energy, intellect, emotion. These are all valuable resources. Because if I could just amend the definition slightly, it's not just putting something in. It's putting valuable resources into something with the hopes of a positive gain. Well, when it comes to relationships, what resources do we have? Ourselves. Ourselves. The most valuable resource we have is ourselves, our energy, our emotion, time. If you want to build a relationship, it's going to require an investment. Mm -hmm. It's going to require time. It doesn't happen overnight. But it's not just going to require time. It's going to require money. (laughs) Ask any woman on her anniversary if money is required. (laughs) It's not just time and money. It's also thought. I am absolutely sure, ladies, you will agree that that notion that it's not the gift, it's the thought is absurd. Because what is the implication of that statement? The implication of that statement, not the actual definition of that statement, but the implication of that statement is it doesn't really matter what you get as long as you get something. Now, is that true? 
Depends <laughs> the, it really depends what the person's love language is, because for somebody who cares more about uh, acts of service or something, or something like they that, get they won't you, really care what the gift They is. get you a gift that you despise. Right. Okay, if they know that you despise it, then yeah. No, they, they, they don't know. No, they don't know. They, but they should know. <laughs> oh, right. You don't like the should. So then don't tell me that it's not the gift, it's the thought. Tell me in certain circumstances it's not the gift, it's the thought. A little child comes to you and gives you a gift. I don't know. Make up the scenario why a little child that you don't know is giving you a gift. And that little child comes in and brings you something you're allergic to. Do you really care? No, you're just so, oh, that's so sweet. That's yeah. so thoughtful. Okay? Your best friend comes and buys you a gift that you can't stand. Yes. You know, I was late. I was rushed. And I just grabbed something. And I, I just wanted to make sure that I got you a gift for your birthday. And it's not the gift. It's the thought. I think that the exact thought of it is your exactly. afterthought. So that right. Is exactly it's an afterthought. Problem. Right. The definition of the statement is what matters, not the implication of the statement. The implication of the statement is as long as you got something, but that's not true. It's not true. You want to know what the most valuable thing you can do in a relationship is? Think. Spend time to get to know the other party. The most important building block in a relationship is taking the time, energy, and emotion to learn the other party. What do they care about? What do they like? What do they dislike? Understand who you're involved in a relationship with. That's an investment. In a marriage, each spouse should at the very minimum know what their spouse's favorite food is. (laughs) Favorite color. Mm -hmm. Favorite place to go. Learn. Take the time to learn who you're involved with. That's an investment. Communication. I have almost never gotten a good definition from a student as to what communication is. And that's even from countless communication majors. Mm-hmm. So Conveying I- an idea that that the other person understands in the way that you were trying to convey it. That is that is incredibly close, but it's missing an ingredient. And that's why I would say I've almost never gotten a valid definition of communication because inevitably people always miss one side or the other. People will tell you that in order to communicate, you must be a great listener. Everyone will tell you, oh, you have to be, to be a communicator, you must be an excellent listener. If I ask you to pass me, you know, the phone. Don't tell me why I'm wrong yet. First understand why it's true. Mm -hmm. But if you are correct, to be a great listener alone is not sufficient. Mm -hmm. If I were to spend the next 20 minutes sitting here quietly, Mm -hmm. telling you everything I hear, I hear a humming of something. I just heard someone speak, but before they spoke, they had a little snap of the tongue on the top of their palate. I heard someone laugh through their nose. 
After about 20 seconds, you'd start to feel very uncomfortable. This is weird. This is awkward. This is not what I need to come Sunday morning for. But I'm a great listener. I'm hearing things you didn't even notice. Oh, wow, yeah, I did snap the tongue on my wrist. Wow, I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah, I did just breathe through my nose. It was a laugh, but it wasn't really a laugh. It's like, wow, that's not a communicator. Now, what if I was an excellent orator? an excellent orator. I could speak with passion and mesmerize an audience. But I spoke in a language that the audience doesn't understand. Or even if I spoke in their language, but I used examples that they can't relate to. That's not a great communicator. It's an excellent orator. The art of communication is something that is so difficult because of what it requires. The definition of communication is the following. The ability to express yourself in a manner that demonstrates you understand what the other party is thinking or feeling. To say something just so that the other party understands, that is not sufficient. All that means is that you are an excellent explainer, mm -hmm. not a good communicator. The essence of communication is to demonstrate to the other party that you understand what they are feeling and what they are thinking. And that is why it is so crucial mm -hmm. to be a good listener. So interesting. I've never heard this type of definition yeah, because it's so other focused. Whereas I feel like most times it's other focused, but based on what you're doing. Right. But it's more. It's not about um, you expressing yourself in a way that the other person will understand you. No. But it's rather you expressing yourself so that they, um, that you can understand them. That they know you understand that they them. Know you, right. But wow, that's so interesting. Nobody does this. And that's why when you are getting up to teach a class, to be a great communicator when you teach a class, you got to know who your audience is. Mm -hmm. you got to be able to read body language. Are you getting across to them? Do they understand what you're saying? When it comes to a relationship, when it comes to a relationship and you're having a discussion and you're having a communication, you have to be able to know where the, what, what are they saying. Mm -hmm. One of the most flawed things that men do, and now you start to see which one men are inept at, certainly the easiest that men do is the first one, communication, right? Just, okay, I did something wrong, just buy them a gift. <laughs> I did something wrong, just get flowers, <laughs> to take them out of dinner. Just spend money. Everything should be okay, I spent money. Great. Communication, ladies will tell me if this is not true, but of course you will. One of the most exasperating things that women say to men and one of the most exasperating things that women experience is they will say to a man after saying for 20 minutes what's bothering them, the following, you're not listening. Mm -hmm. And men will make the most tragic error possible. Yes, I am. And they will repeat everything she just said for the last 20 minutes. At which point, she just go, you don't get it. 
And the poor guy. And the guy's like, what? 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 I just told you everything you just said. What do you mean I'm not listening? Because what he just said was, I heard every word you said. And I'm telling you every word you said, but I clearly have no idea what you are going through. through. I have no idea what you're feeling. I have no idea what you're thinking. And therefore, when I'm communicating and I'm expressing myself, it's lacking that aspect of the communication. And therefore, it's not communication. I can only speak for men. But I can tell you how often this is true for a man. And ladies, you'll have to tell me if you agree, if it happens to women as well. But the reason communication is so difficult is because in most instances, you don't care what the other party is saying or thinking. You only care about what you're saying and you're thinking. And when you're in an argument with someone or a debate with someone, and you've just finished making your point. The first thought that's going through your head when the other person starts thinking is, oh, I forgot to say this. <laughs> uh, as soon as they finish, I'm going to make sure to say that. And then, oh, and then I'm going to add this. And then I'm going to make sure to explain, because I'm sure he didn't get what I was saying when I said that. So I'm going to go back and go over it. In other words, you're not even listening to the other person. <laughs> And therefore, it's I, I, I said my piece. Now let me go over what I said. Where's the communication? That's, that's, that's expression, but it's not communication. Communication is the ability to express yourself in a manner that demonstrates you understand the other party, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. Wow. That's, that's huge. Why doesn't anybody teach us that? I just did. I know, but the one that the thinking feeling part. And now we'll get to the third ingredient, intimacy. Intimacy is also extremely misunderstood. And what many people think is communication is actually intimacy. And what many people think is intimacy is nothing other than self-indulgence. Intimacy is the ability to expose yourself in a manner that brings closeness to the other party. It's very easy to expose yourself in a manner that distances the other party. Mm -hmm. If you're walking down the street and a flasher comes up and opens their trench coat, they probably, do they they even have that anymore? (laughs) They don't hear about it so much anymore, thankfully. (laughs) Oh, now it's pictures, now it's it's pictures. Okay, right, (laughs) sex thing. (laughs) It's now inappropriate pictures on, on. But I, I'm wondering if the reason that it's uh, it's probably more a combination of what you're saying now the exposure is through the uh, through the phone. But I'm wondering if the flasher doesn't exist so much anymore because now people pretty much are dressed in a way that's flashing anyway. <laughs> but if someone did that to you, you would not feel close to them at that moment, would you? You'd feel very distant. 
The ability to expose yourself in a manner that brings closeness means what you were saying earlier. It means being able to express yourself in a way that you're sure the under person understands where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. This is much more about you expressing yourself. The ability to expose yourself requires being vulnerable. And that's why you'll understand why this is so difficult for men. Mm -hmm. They don't want to show that they're weak. To be vulnerable is dangerous for a man. And again, going back to one of the common areas of exasperation in relationships from a woman to a man is, aside from the communication frustration of you're not, you don't get it, you're not listening, one of the most common desires of a woman that is not being met is a woman will say to a man, I just want to get to, there you go. And that's one of the scariest things for a man to hear. Do you teach guys? I know that you work a lot with young men and you teach a lot. Do you teach them this? <laughs> Please, seriously. Because that means opening up and exposing yourself and being vulnerable. Yeah. That's intimacy. That's why intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is not sexuality or anything to do with sexuality. Sexuality is a part of intimacy. And it's a very crucial part of intimacy because there is no area that's more vulnerable when a person is standing naked in front of another human being. It can be incredibly vulnerable and intimate, while at the same time, you know very well that it can be incredibly distancing if it's not an area of vulnerability. If it's not one exposing themselves in order to bring closeness, it can be incredibly easy to create a distance and a gap. In order to be intimate, therefore, one must have the ability to allow themselves to be exposed and be vulnerable and share. You can actually gauge all relationships because of these three factors. If you take any relationship you're in You can gauge the strength of that relationship vis-a-vis the amount of these three ingredients. How much investment is there? How much communication is there? And how much intimacy is there? Well, let's start with examples of relationships. A friend. Well, let's even go further a business partner, an acquaintance. Do you have an investment in that relationship? Absolutely. You have an incredible investment with a business partner. You probably spend more time with the people you work with in some cases than the people you live with. That's an incredible amount of valuable resource. Is there communication? Well, it depends. Depends how close you are in this business. If you're partners and you don't have the ability to communicate, this, this partnership is not going to last. If you're an employee, an employer relationship, and you don't have the ability to communicate, someone's going to quit or get fired. What about intimacy, though? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. There might be a little bit. There might it be might a little be bit. Seen as a weakness in business to be. Could be seen as a weakness. 
could be seen as as an unnecessary ingredient. You know, I, I don't I don't care what's going on at home, buddy. <laughs> yeah, job. Let's do it. But if there is intimacy there, you would probably start to discuss that relationship different than a business partner. Mm-hmm. If there was a little bit more intimacy, you'd probably actually refer to that person as a friend. So if you start to analyze, if you want to take a look at your relationships, you can actually tell the value and strength, the strength of those bonds based on how much investment, communication, and ultimately intimacy there is in that relationship. Now, when I was doing an Israel trip, one of the questions I would always ask, just to try and understand the students in the interview, I would ask them, are you close with your parents? And every student, without fail, said yes. Mm-hmm. I would always follow up, though, and say, how often do you speak to them? How often are you in contact with them? And the answer varied from once a day to, I don't know, about once a month. And that's an incredible gap. Why? Because often people feel about a relationship very different than what the relationship actually is. And when we want to be real with relationships, the way we feel about the relationship is almost irrelevant. It's what do we do about the relationship. Really? Yeah. Well, what about in the case where... I feel incredibly close to my mother. I never speak to her. Right, I understand. But what about, um, you know, like there's friendships, like let's say you have friends who live in, I don't know, Africa or something, and it's... You don't get to speak to them as often as you want to, but that doesn't. But when we do, it's like it's right. like there's an instant yeah. connection. Right. It's like it, it, it's a, I have friends like that. From, yeah, yeah. very different. Friends different. you see, you could see these friends on a regular basis that live here, but doesn't have True. that level of. Sometimes right. Sometimes True. it's a friendship of convenience because you happen to be in the same. You live in the That's same true. area. That's true. Nonetheless, you would have to say, "Great, there is an incredible amount of intimacy in that relationship. There's an incredible communication." because we're able to understand each other and be open, and I can be vulnerable with him because I understand him. Mm-hmm. The communication and intimacy go hand in hand a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But what kind of investment is there? I see him once every five years. Right. Now, am I close with him? Absolutely. But still, I still have to gauge that relationship. If I'm putting it on a scale, I'd have to say, there's very little investment here. Mm-hmm. Why do I only speak to them three times a year? Why do I only speak to them every five years? What, there's not Facebook? There's not email? There's not FaceTime? Whatever generation you want to put yourself in, you can talk to them once a day. Okay, so don't tell me, oh no, we are so close. No, you're not. You're not that close. Do you feel incredibly close to them? Yes, why? Because of an incredible amount of investment that was made 10 years ago great. I'm not belittling the relationship. I'm not minimizing the relationship, but I'm saying, be real with the relationship. Be real with where it is. Mm -hmm. What is it? Mm -hmm. Because if you are real with that relationship, then when you do see him every three years, you know what you're not going to feel? You're not going to feel that angst of guilt. Oh, you know, we should really get to, come on. How often does that happen? Where you see someone in this town, you bump into them at Pico Glot or on Pico. Oh, oh my God. Oh, and incredibly intimate at that moment. And communication, no problem. And then as you walk away, you go, you know, we should really get together and have lunch. You know, we should really see each other more often. 
And yeah, I miss you too. And then you walk away and what happens? Never Nothing. Why? Because you're not real with where that relationship is. You're not real. Do you have great intimacy? Yes. Do you have great communication? Yes. Are you close with him? Yes. But not that close. The relationship's not that strong. Why? Because there's no investment. Investment means giving up resources. Mm -hmm. Time, energy, energy, effort. Pick up the phone. Pick up the computer. T -t Do something. Don't say, oh, we should... Because you feel guilt because you're not real. But if you're real with where that relationship is, you don't feel any guilt. You walk away saying, it was so great to see you. Bye. <laughs> no guilt. No, like, okay, I hope I, I hope I don't see you in three years. No. If I see you tomorrow, I will be just as happy. And if I see you in three years from now, I'll be just as happy. Because that's where the relationship is. Because of the investment that we have. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what, ladies? You know what this is also true about? Yeah. Your relationship with Hashem. Mm -hmm. If you really want to measure what kind of relationship would I have with Hashem, well... Investment, communication, and intimacy. And don't tell me, but I feel real close with God. Yeah. Okay, let's analyze it. What kind of investment do you have? What kind of communication do you have? And what kind of intimacy do you have? And that's what Shimon Atzadik was talking about. And in the few minutes we have, I, I feel them. Wow. Let's take a look at those three things. But I just because just because I, I don't like going late and 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 I just I want to get through the three things. So for simplicity and time, let's go through the three things and I'll just tell you what they are. Okay. They are in order. Shimon Atzadik says the world stands on three things. The world stands on one thing and one thing only: a relationship with Hashem. But there are three building blocks to that relationship, and the first one is what investment. And what's that? Torah. Because what's Torah? Torah is the instruction manual to figure out what does God care about. Don't say you're in a relationship with someone and you have no idea what they care about. You're in a relationship with God, but what does God care about? What does God say is important? What does God say is not important? What does God say matters? What does God say doesn't matter? Don't tell me what you like in a relationship. What is God like in a relationship? Number two is communication. Well, we started with communication is avoda. We started with avoda is the sacrifices in the temple. That's very difficult to understand. Yeah. But we don't have sacrifices today. So the rabbis say, now that sacrifices are gone, what do we have in its place? Tefillah, prayer. Now, either one of two things. Either the rabbis understood what sacrifices were really about, yeah. and they said tefillah is a valid substitution, or the rabbis were just being arbitrary. Well, we lost the carbonos, all right, yeah. let's just stick prayer. Yeah. Imagine you have a kid, and your kid had a pet turtle, and your kid went away to camp and came back, and the turtle dead. I'm so sorry your turtle died. Here's a pencil. <laughs> So either the rabbis were just being arbitrary or they understood what was going on here. Well, prayer is easy to understand that prayer is communication. Mm -hmm. You're talking to God. Mm -hmm. What are sacrifices? Well, clearly sacrifices must be a form of prayer. 
they must be a form of communication. Do you know what the two categories of prayer there were in the temple? Forget communal sacrifices. Forget sacrifices that were community. Forget sacrifices that were time-bound holiday-type offerings. Sacrifices that you as an individual would bring. There you go. Thanksgiving offerings or atonement offerings. And ladies, you know what the two most important things to say in a relationship are when it comes to communication? And they're not, I love you. It's what? Thank you and I'm sorry. Yes, you have to say I love you. But you know what's more important in communication? Love you is intimacy. Mm-hmm. In terms of communication, thank you and I'm sorry. Why? Because what is that doing? It's telling the other person, I understand how you feel about me. When we have kids, we tell our kids, when grandma comes and gives it to $20, say thank you. And the kids are like, thank you. Because we're trying to ingrain in them this concept of appreciate your grandmother loves you. Saying thank you means I understand how you feel about me. I appreciate that you did this for me. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry is the same thing. There are two ways you can say I'm sorry that are powerful. The simple way is I'm sorry. But no, there's two ways you can say I'm sorry. The first way is I'm sorry. I understand what I did is wrong. But there's an even more powerful way to say I'm sorry, and every one of you ladies will agree with this the moment you hear it. Imagine if your husband says to you the following, I'm sorry, not because of what I did was wrong, because I understand that what I did hurt you, and for that I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's a radically different understanding of I'm sorry. You're standing in front of the Almighty and you have a carbon and you say, Hashem, you love me and you've given me so much bounty. Thank you. Because the best way to say thank you is to give it back. You can't give back to God, so you give an expression of giving back. Mm -hmm. Hashem, I understand I hurt you. And imagine this in a relationship. Imagine a husband and wife and a husband says to his wife or vice versa, but it's usually the other way around. Husband says to his wife, I understand what I did was wrong and it hurt you. And why am I sorry? I'm sorry because I understand that I hurt you and therefore I jeopardized our relationship. And because I jeopardized our relationship, I could have lost that relationship. And to me, that would be like losing life itself. How would you feel then? Wow. <laughs> if only, right? If only. <laughs> you say that to the Almighty. Mm-hmm. Hashem, I understand I messed up. And I messed up and that jeopardized my relationship with you. And my relationship with you is my life. And if I would lose that relationship, I would lose my life. But because of your infinite love for me, you allow me to stay alive as long as I understand that. And so therefore this animal will be in my stead. That's a carbon. That's I'm sorry. And then we get to the final one and then I'll take questions if we have a few moments. Intimacy. Well, it's very difficult to be intimate with an infinite being. Intimacy with another human being, it's a challenge, especially for men, but it's much easier Open up, share yourself. For men that can't do that, what do they do? They male bond. 
and they bang each other and punch each other. It's like it's like shows. Oh, look, I'm 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 allowing you to touch me. <laughs> it's intimate. How do you be intimate with an infinite being? You can't hug him. This is why Christianity, why Saul, who changed his name to Paul, was so successful. He says, oh, you know what? We'll put a statue on a, on a cross. You can touch it. You can hold it. There's intimacy. That took off like wildfire because he understood. You want a relationship? You must have intimacy. You can touch it. You need to be able to have that intimate bond. So Hashem says, you know what? I'll allow you to be intimate with other human beings, right. and that will bring you close to me. To understand this, you must get an analogy, and I forgive, forgive me, ladies, we're going a little bit late. The greatest intimacy you can have with another human being is to share yourself. And that brings you close. But imagine the following. Imagine you have a best friend. And that best friend lives in another town. And someone you care about here is going to be in that town. And you find out that not only are they going to be in that town, they're going to be staying at a house down the street from your best friend. Almost inevitably, anyone you tell this to and you ask them, so what do you do at that moment? Send a care package. But let's say you, you, don't have, you don't have a care package. You're on the phone with someone. You can't send the care package. You're on the phone with someone, a friend of yours that you care about, and you find out that your friend is down the street from your best friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I immediately at that moment would say, oh, you, you got to go say hi to my best friend. Mm. <laughs> Why? Yeah, that's why I wouldn't, just because why? Just well, because it's your best friend, they have no relationship. I would immediately, you got to go meet my best friend. Why? Because if you don't meet my best friend, you're missing out. You're missing out. You know, you got to go meet this guy. He's awesome. You got to go meet this guy. He's awesome. I guarantee you, you'll spend an hour with him and you'll call me and thank me for introducing you. You got to go meet him. Now, if you do that at that moment, you're finished talking. I saw a few smiles, so some of you maybe can appreciate this. Let's say you were the one saying this over. At that moment, how do you feel about your best friend? You're proud of them. And where are they at that moment? They're a thousand miles away, but where are they at that moment? In your heart. Right there in your heart. You are as close to them as you could possibly be, but they're a thousand miles away. No. Because by you sharing with someone else, you actually feel close. The greatest thing you can share with another human being is your relationship with Hashem. That's chesed. Mm-hmm. Chesed is giving another person what they need. That's chesed. You don't have a relationship with my best friend? You're missing out. I got to share that with you and I feel close. But you know what? You don't have a relationship with Hashem? You're really missing out. I need to share that with you. The only way I can do that is if I allow myself to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you how I feel about God, why I care about God. Why do I feel that it's important? I have to tell you about me. If I just come to you with a very cold, sterile, educational approach to the Almighty, 
you're going to feel anything? You're going to have any desire to come close to that? No, I have to share you. I have to share with you me. And therefore, by me sharing with you me, I have to be open. And at that moment, you know what I feel? Incredibly close to Hashem. Because I allowed myself to be vulnerable. God says, you want intimacy with me? Be vulnerable with other human beings. Do chesed. And if you do chesed for the right reason, that doesn't mean walk around with the billboard in Times Square on 3rd Street Promenade. God is here. God is here. Because <laughs> guess what? That's the flasher. You gonna feel, anyone going to feel close? No. Chesed. Do chesed. Give people what they need. Someone needs food. Give them food. You got to be vulnerable. You got to go and you got, it's awkward going to needy people. It's awkward. You got to be vulnerable. But why are you doing it? I'm doing it because I'm sharing my relationship with Hashem with you. And if I do that, I'm going to feel close to God. Shimon Tzadik said three things. The world stands on one thing and one thing only. A relationship with the Almighty. Shimon Tzadik says, you want a relationship with the Almighty? Then you need three things. You need Torah. You need to learn what does God care about because you've got to invest in this relationship. You need to communicate. Talk to God in a way that you understand how God feels about you. Thank you, God. I know you love me. I'm sorry, God. I know that my actions hurt you. And therefore, I jeopardize my relationship with you. And that's my life itself. And for that, I'm really sorry. And intimacy, I want to share you with the world. And I'm going to open up to the world and make myself vulnerable. And I'm not going to go live on an island. And that's going to get me closer to you. Mm -hmm. Investment, communication, intimacy. That's how you build every relationship. But it's certainly how you build the most important relationship, your relationship with the Almighty.